Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hmm. So this is the season finale. Feels weird. But I think the timing is right. There's a sriracha shortage all around the country. Every hot sauce has its end and every podcast season at least has its end. So this is the last drip from the bottle, our final episode of season three. Hey everyone, I'm Solejo and you're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking with Jenny Yang today. For those of you who don't know her, she's a writer, actress, and stand-up comedian. Oh, and big news, she's going to be on a Netflix series with Michelle Yeoh, truly living the Asian-American dream. A former labor activist, Yang's comedy often veers into all things political. Yeah, I just like connecting with people and, and helping to move the conversation, the public conversation along to things that I care about and I think are important. And so whether that's through a tweet or through a video or through a podcast or acting or even TV writing, I'm happy to do it. Actually, back in 2016, Jenny and I first met when I interviewed her for Racist Sandwich, the first podcast I ever hosted. We talked then about Bon Appetit's infamous air quotes, pho is the new ramen video, which set off a lot of conversations online about racial representation in food media. This was about four years before the magazine pretty much blew up publicly. For the record, I was criticizing Bon Appetit before it was cool. Today, Jenny is talking with me about something that's been the subject of conspiracy theories, racist campaigns, bad science experiments, and many, many articles. MSG, or monosodium glutamate, or mm, so good. First isolated from kombu, it's a flavor enhancer that's the source of umami, that very trendy flavor that they named a burger chain after. The core of the controversy is in its association with Asian food, namely Chinese food, and toxicity, though it's food safe, definitely, and a key ingredient in lots of American food, like Doritos. To be honest, I thought the food world had moved past the MSG debate, but as Jenny discusses, it's just taking on a new form. MSG fears, even if people can't pinpoint the fact that it came from this sort of old-timey hack xenophobia, has now kind of dovetailed into the wellness industry and the wellness conversation and diet culture and clean eating, you know, commentary about that. And all of a sudden, MSG is being talked about by a very influential platform like Goop to say that it's not clean. I always find myself getting into the politics of representation whenever I talk with Jenny especially in the realm of food. This time, she has a pretty direct take on why wellness culture is so weird about MSG. Modern wellness and diet culture, unfortunately, is really I'm just going to say it. Extra spicy. San Francisco Chronicle. Solejo. But you're going to have to keep listening to find out why. So here's my conversation with Jenny Yang. Jenny Yang Welcome to Extra Spicy. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. Extra Spicy. Let's do it. Let's get Extra Spicy, Soleil. <laughs> right. And we're here today to talk primarily about MSG. But first, before that, I want to sort of get into the beginning. Like, 
why do you care so much about food? Why, of all the things, are you signing on to talk about this stuff? You know, to me as an Asian American and as an immigrant from Taiwan, food was the lifeline and the only real connection I had to my culture, even when all else failed. Even when I didn't have the right, you know, Chinese or Taiwanese word to express how I felt, even though we didn't have conversations around the dinner table at night, and even though my American life felt so far away from my home life and from anything my parents could understand, food was always the thing that we could bond over. It was just a part of our culture and our family and who we are. And so um, I feel like a lot of people can relate to me on that, um, not just immigrants probably, that food is just this sort of, you know, deeply embedded core memory that we all just kind of is the foundation of our identity. And so to me, I got into eating it, making it, and then talking about it and talking talking to other people about it, not just around the dinner table, but about the food culture and food media because of that, you know? And honestly, as an Asian American, the only kind of arenas of representation that we have any real cachet in of any of it, food is the the industry that we we have a lot of legitimacy because it's that important to us and we've been able to make a mark in America. But you're not a chef or someone who publicly sort of makes food in any capacity. I mean, certainly I'm sure you're an incredible cook at home. You know, what is your skin in the game here? To me, food and and is culture and that means it's representation. And so I talk about what I care about. And if that's my identity, if it's the people I care about, food is going to be an integral part of it. So, you know, my earliest memories of being in America and connecting with my mom is learning how to make pot stickers and dumpling skin from scratch. But I also know that the exact same food that I valued at home and whose flavors I enjoy, the textures I enjoyed, were made fun of at school or made fun of in media. And so, you know, once I became a comedian and or, or even have any kind of little bit of a, of a platform, whenever something went down about Asian food in food media or like <laughs> the public arena, I would 100% have to say something because it's like, Number one, I love food and I care about it, and it's a delicious thing to think about. But also, I, I know that there are social and political and cultural implications when it comes to who I am as an Asian American and as an immigrant. Are there any big examples um, of that sort of representation that you can remember being like really what sparked a response from you? I mean, you know, it's like Bon Appetit was growing their YouTube following with all of their, you know, budding um stars and also making video content. And one of the video contents they did was featuring a white chef who made pho in Philadelphia. Now, white people can make Asian food. That's fine. It was just the complete ignorance that came across from this video, especially when they were like, hey, how do you eat pho? And he was straight up like, um, my wife taught me this twirl technique. And we're like, every single Asian was like, what? twirl technique are you talking about? <laughs> the only time I've ever heard about twirling noodles is when I heard from my like white American friends that sometimes Italian Americans eat their spaghetti by twirling noodles in a spoon. I'm like, what are you talking about? Every Asian freaked out. They're like, no, 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 no. This is blasphemous. This is not how you eat pho and noodles, you know? Um, 
it, and this is also in the context of it's not just that he got it wrong. It's just he got it wrong in the context of the very food that you're selling and that you're profiting off of and honestly saying the wrong thing about is the very no noodle and food that we might have been made fun of as a child for. It's the deep irony of growing up as an immigrant in America that the thing that might be commodified and popular now and fawned over by foodies was the very thing that they made fun of us for when we were children. <laughs> right. And I think it's also the sort of uh, uh, the dynamic of who gets to be held up as the expert and the explainer, the interpreter of these yes. foods. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, if it were an Asian chef who had said those things, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe that, that person would have been just as clowned on, yes. but it would have had a it would have been a different conversation, right? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And and Bon Appetit had a, a video about about kimchi, and so where it was a white uh, white chef Brad uh, in the test kitchen who was making it, and and that was when I was like, okay, after this pho video, I made it. It went a little bit viral, and we had the conversation about who gets to be the expert on our cultural foods. I, that's when I said, I'm going to take the camera and produce my own videos. And that's when I said, who do I wanna hear talk about kimchi and making it? I wanna hear about my friend's Korean moms and how they're making kimchi, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that impulse for me was what motivated me to make my own videos. And that's what I did. I turned a camera on a number of, you know, friends of mine and their moms, and they talked about what making kimchi meant to them. And that, you know, I, I made a couple of different videos about that, but that that to me is always at the heart of why I care about what I do, which is not just when I talk about food, but other things. It's like, who gets to tell our stories and what is that going to be able to say about us? That's always the question I'm asking. Right. And as you're talking, all of this stuff feels like such, it's, it's like vintage <laughs> food racism. You We've know? been there before. Okay, Soleil. Right. It's tired. So why are you here talking to me about MSG in the year 2022? Like, what's going on? I thought this was- I thought this, this was, was over. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, this is like vintage news when it comes to like MSG, because back in the day, they were already like all of these very like xenophobic and honestly racist stereotypes around MSG being equated with takeout food, being equated with Chinese food, AKA therefore now Asians and all Asians. You know, that's sort of the, the the brain links that happened back in the day about MSG. And so people would complain about it and demonize it and say, oh no, this is the stuff they put into your food to poison you or whatever. You know what I mean? These sort of like fantastical um, xenophobic things until I think somehow we got the conversation going to be like, no, don't be racist. MSG exists. It's another flavor enhancer. But- I guess it hasn't gone away because no longer are stand-up comedians necessarily doing like hack jokes about Chinese and takeout food like, oh, I can't get full off Chinese food. The moment I eat it, I just want to eat more or like, I don't know, or like don't go to Chinese restaurants or they will pee pee in your Coke. Isn't that gross? I literally didn't know that that was an old stereotype until I started doing stand-up comedy. And so I feel like that's like this sort of rem this relic of the past, but I think there's a newer version of that now, right? MSG fears, even if people can't pinpoint the fact that it came from this sort of old timey hack xenophobia, has now kind of dovetailed into the wellness industry and the wellness conversation and diet culture and clean eating, you know, commentary about that. And all of a sudden, MSG is being talked about by a very influential platform like Goop to say that it's not 
clean. Aside from the fact that we're talking about Goop because they're influential and and give people so much information about how to live their lives, just in general, I feel like it's a little upsetting to have to call any food clean or dirty. Food is food. Food is fuel and we eat it for different reasons. And so it, it's just one of those things that like, number one, for a big platform like Goop, who provides so much information and entertainment to people to get it wrong, like factually, scientifically, and MSG is actually not harmful. It, it just, I was just like, this is a no brainer for me to talk about. So what you're saying is, you know, it, it used to be just outright racist. Yes. The, the association of MSG additives, Chinese people putting like secret things. Yeah, in they're food. so foreign and inscrutable. Right. You don't know what meat's in the food, right? I've heard mm-hmm. that <laughs> about Vietnamese people too, all the time. And then it, there's just this general level of like mistrust, yes. right? And, and like you said, inscrutability and just, I don't know, just like shistiness totally. associated with Asians, right? But in this context, in the wellness context, it's not so obvious, right? It's not. It's not. But when you call things clean or dirty, it starts to edge into that territory, you know, of like what's othered and what's not okay, what's not proper. And to me, MSG is just like any other seasoning. It's like you're using it for enhancement. It's not like we're asking you to like drink gallons of MSG. Well, I think the uh, the name probably needs some work, right? It sounds a little spooky. The right. Letters. They're like, what does it stand for? Like TNT. Right. <laughs> LSD. There, does there need to be a rebranding of monos? Exactly. Monosodium glutamate. No one really thought beyond that to like give it something sexy. Maybe we should workshop that. I mean, it was, um, what was it? What was it? It's that housewife secret spice, That's right. but it was just MSG in a cute bottle. But they didn't call it MSG on the label explicitly out front. I feel like that's the thing, you know, so many different things we love actually has some MSG in it and people just don't know. <laughs> in this effort, because like wellness is it's its own thing, right? Like, is there anything about wellness culture that is anything different from diet culture in your mind? Because I, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we haven't all agreed on what these words mean. <laughs> I feel right. like it's, it's, it's part of the cultural conversation that is still evolving. To me, I know as someone who I want to live a healthy and long life. And for me, um, a healthy life includes a happy life. And happy living includes eating delicious food. And sometimes delicious <laughs> food, right, includes saturated fats Sometimes it includes a lot of salt or, you know what I mean? Or a lot of sugar. But in general, like I am trying to eat like a moderate balanced diet so that I can enjoy life, but also not restrict myself. And I think wellness and diet culture is a lot about rules and restrictions. Now, if your doctor's telling you you have high cholesterol and you need to do certain things, please listen to your doctor. I'm no doctor, you know? But <laughs> right. but I'm just out here talking about the cultural implications of the, the conversations we have around food. And I think with the idea of wellness and clean eating and diet culture, it's all it's all starts to that Venn diagram becomes one big circle eventually <laughs> when you start digging down past the surface, you know? It's it, it I think it all a lot of it boils down to labeling things as being clean or unclean, labeling things as being good or bad foods, which I love the movement of wellness and nutrition folks on Instagram and TikTok who are trying to undo that kind of binary thinking 
around food. It's so hard though, because I think when people are kind of in the crisis, you know, about their own bodies yes. or their self-esteem, they just want to be told what to do. Oh, yes. And unfortunately, I think that probably opens up the way to a lot of pseudoscience and a lot of assumptions and rules that probably don't make too much sense. Yeah. If I have too much salt and I don't drink enough water, I'll get a headache, you know? If I don't, if I, if I eat too much sugar and I have a crash, I'll not feel good. There's things that we, we know about our bodies. I think it's about moderation. And I think with the conversation on MSG, it's just one part of that. The MSG specifically is just sort of culturally loaded with a lot of that sort of racist history. And so I think, I think more wellness and clean eating and sort of modern um, lifestyle platforms need to kind of get hip to that history. So why does the topic of MSG keep coming up? You know, like I thought that there had been so many studies debunking its association with like the mysterious Chinese restaurant syndrome yes. right, that was coined however many decades ago and debunked. Yes. Um, you know, there were tests done on like lab mice that gave them like the equivalent of a softball. If we ate a softball of MSG <laughs> all at once, right? Like, yeah, we'd get sick. And like, they did that to mice. They um, did that? I didn't even know that. But you know, it like scaled down to mouse size. Oh my God. A so if I ate a softball size of any seasoning, <laughs> can you imagine like, oh, let's do the cinnamon challenge where you eat like a softball amount of size of cinnamon. Like, of course you're going to have an adverse effect. Right. I mean, why do we keep coming back to this? Why do we keep having the same conversation about something that should have been settled? Because because modern wellness and diet culture, unfortunately, is really white. I'm just going to say it. Extra spicy, San Francisco Chronicle, Solejo. I'm just going to say it. And whiteness, not as in white people specifically, but whiteness as in a system and as in the sort of deeply embedded culture that is afraid of others and immigrants, you know? It's the unconscious bias, I believe, of a lot of people who want to say, I'm helping people by saying that MSG is not healthy or, or not clean. But in fact, you're, you're, missing the, you're missing the point about how that's not even factually true. I don't know. I can't, I can't be the unconscious bias whisperer for you, Soleil. But that's, I, mean, I do yeah. believe that that's what's happening, you know? I think it's a hard dance though, right? Because yeah. a lot of people are probably thinking it's not about race, you know? It's just about this one ingredient. And that makes, theoretically, people feel bad. You know, what's wrong with that? It's like, you know, cyanide <laughs> isn't about race, you know, not wanting to eat it. Not to, you know, not to equate the two, MSG is not cyanide, but like there's such a hard leap for a lot of people to make who haven't aren't aren't used to thinking about these sort of associations yeah. and the implications of of this rhetoric but but it is though it is about race it is it is and i'm not going to be out here telling people what to do with their lives but unfortunately everyone else is everyone else is trying to tell you what you should be doing with your life and so as someone who cares about the world who cares about my culture i want to then talk back to that and so you know it's like People want to speak with authority because of influencer culture. In fact, I'm participating in that right now, you know? I'm trying to influence back on the influencer culture because right now the dominant conversation, I, st I still feel like it's just, they're not as aware of their cultural blind spots, for lack of a better term. You are listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Soleil and we're back with Jenny Yang. Here in LA, people talk about goop constantly. If I remember correctly, you are going to try to feed some influencers MSG. Is that is that not a thing? I'm all for clean eating. I just want to make sure it's informed by science. Otherwise, who gets to decide what's clean? Is my grandma's famous red braised pork belly somehow less clean than your grandma's chicken pot pie? So I'm inviting the goop goddess herself to join me for an MSG feast for two. So my goal, hashtag dinner with goop, is that I get the goop (laughs) goddess herself, okay, to have a dinner for two with me a dinner that's delicious and that has MSG in it so that we could like have a conversation, you know? Naming Goop is simply because we want to like debunk some of this stuff, right? Because they had it on their website that MSG is something you should avoid because of clean eating. And I'm like, oh wow, like so many people follow you and listen to you. What if we just sat down and like just had a chat about it, you know? Who knows if Goop will answer my call. (laughs) I hope they do. But even if they don't, at least hopefully other people will become more aware, right? That like, that it's not okay. And honestly, like I, like I posted about this and and a follower was like, oh, did you know Whole30 actually did a whole Instagram post about how they no longer say that MSG is a restricted additive during a Whole30 diet? I was like, well, great. And, And they cited that it's like racist and xenophobic history behind calling out MSG and I don't know. I just feel like the food industry and the wellness industry need to become more aware of the fact that they shouldn't be demonizing something so specifically as MSG. So goop goddess, are you, (laughs) I think I know who you're talking about, (laughs) right? Uh, Someone who was in Iron Man. Yeah. Um, Which is uh, so funny that that's the first credit you would say. too many movies. I know that she was in it. Yeah. You know, I think we all, we all know and love her. She's an icon. Gwyneth Paltrow owns Goop. I would love to have dinner with her. And it's just like a friendly, like a chat, man. Just like, Hey, did you know there's this history and couldn't we understand this thing as, as something that shouldn't be demonized? I mean, I would imagine two scenarios. One, you're talking at dinner to an empty chair like Clint Eastwood at the like 2012 CPAC or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, saying that Obama didn't show up. So I'm talking to this chair. Right. Or two, she doesn't eat anything. And she just kind of like does the thing where she pushes food from one side of the plate <laughs> to the next side of the plate. And then you just have to play it off out of politeness. Do you think she would ever show up? I don't know. She's a very busy lady. Would she be like, hey, this random lady named Jenny Yang made a video about MSG and Goop asking me to get dinner with her. Is this going to rise to the level of the CEO of Goop? I don't know. If you're out there though, if any of you happen to work for Goop or know Goop or the Goop goddess herself, holler at your girl. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds like she's a slime queen too. What do you mean? 
mean? When you say that, goop goddess, like she's got a dress made out of like Vaseline. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I have a lot of respect for Gwyneth Paltrow and the goop hustle and what they've been able to build in terms of their influence. And I just think that with great power comes great responsibility. You know? Is she in that movie too? I don't know. She's Probably, been in right? so many movies. <laughs> so many. So, okay. I mean, for for people who aren't Gwyneth Paltrow, though, I mean, just are there any sources that they can trust about, about MSG? I don't know. What would you tell them? I would tell them research for yourself. And I personally, you know, I, I'm a brand partner with Ajinomoto who are makers of MSG. And that's literally the only thing branded partnership that I've ever done. And they have a really useful resource. It's knowmsg.com, K-N-O-W-M-S-G.com. Obviously you're hearing it from people who make MSG, so you're gonna get their, their facts and their information. But beyond that, you should do your own research. You know, I think anything that's not opinion would be great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's really interesting thinking that I just assumed that Ajinomoto, you know, being this a like, huge corporation, uh, just like wouldn't really care about its perception in the United States, right? Like, I think in the U.S. especially, there's a lot of, like, weird rhetoric Are you saying MSG. corporations don't have feelings? They're not people, certainly. They're certainly not people. But, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I think if you think about Ajinomoto as a global food brand, that's very different from, therefore, what does their product look like in real life? And in real life, their products are completely used all across the Asian-American food spectrum, you know what I mean? And it's like deeply embedded in the history of how we make food. And so to care about food as a global brand and to care about food like MSG that is so beloved and strongly used in Asian food cultures, you got to care about how our food is represented. And that means how MSG is represented. But definitely if if wellness and and diet culture is going to expand their reach as they have, right, through influencer culture, they need to be responsible with what they're saying, that it should be scientifically based if you're going to talk about what people should be putting in their bodies. Who's got time for science, though? No, I think we've all learned that it's just much <laughs> oh, easier to rely on superficial assumptions. <laughs> right. So maybe to, to, to round this out, I would love for you to tell me, like, at this at this dinner, this hypothetical dinner. Yeah at which you will attend with Gwyneth Paltrow and you're going to shake hands and sure. she's going to say, I'll never talk shit about MSG ever again. What would be on the table? Oh my gosh. I would love a really spicy Lao dish with lots of, you know, herbs and chili peppers and seasoning thrown on top. I would love some banh mi with maji. I would love umami, not just MSG umami, but umami in all different forms because we get umami flavors from searing things, from stewing things a certain way. You know, I want all of the umami flavors for this meal. Right, like a big hunk of Parmesan cheese oh, on the table. Yes. <laughs> Why not? So when Gwyneth Paltrow comes, she, you're going to feed her lots of carbs, I'm hearing, <laughs> lots of spicy food. Uh, you're going to give her a really... Uh, Fun time in her tummy yes. <laughs> when she goes to bed. In her mouth. I mean, Great. Well, who knows Who knows what she says she eats and what she really eats? I mean, you can say that about all of us, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. If, if anything, that is like the supreme takeaway is like regardless of the ingredient, 
just talking crap about ingredients that are from like specific cultural backgrounds has a lot of baggage. Yes. And people should know what that baggage is. So at the very least, if they want to continue doing it, they would know, you know, with eyes clear what they're doing. Just be cool, bro. You know what I mean? Can I just say that to all the wellness and clean eating and diet culture influencers? Just be cool. So California. No. Thank you. They literally have no chill. <laughs> literally, most of these places have zero chill. I'm hoping that Goop has some chill and that they're down to like sit with me and chat about MSG. <laughs> well, thank you, Jenny. I could continue just making all these California jokes with you <laughs> and making more MSG jokes with you. Yes. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thank you. So that's it for today and for season three of Extra Spicy. Thank you to Jenny Yang for our conversation today, which was produced and edited by Taya Francesca Price, with help from executive producer Sarah Feldberg. Also, a big thank you to producer Karen Creighton for all of their work this season and to all of our guests who made time to join us. I really appreciate your insight, your humor, your kind eyes, your laughs. (laughs) I love you all. If you've enjoyed Extra Spicy, please tell a friend about it and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's now three seasons of backlog for you to dig through, so enjoy. You can check out more programming from the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. 